PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Chris Crespo Radio Show. Everybody likes it. Listen to his shit. Gentlemen, welcome to episode 391 of Cinema Crespediso. That is right. I'm your host, Chris Crespo. We're doing that thing. Chilling in the Crespediso studio. It's the day after the day after the 3rd of July. With me is Drew Cogburn. <laughs> what up, dude? How you doing? Remember that movie, The Day After? The Day, the day After the 3rd of July? Yeah. This is The Day After the Day After the 3rd of July. But then they shortened it just The Day After, right? Wasn't that movie set there in the 4th uh, of July? Uh-huh. 4th uh-huh. of July holiday? Top three 4th of July movies. Go. Uh Independence, Independence Day, Day, right? Uh, Born on, Before, yeah, correct. Uh, um, uh, uh, trying to think of anything else mm. that actually happens on, on the Fourth of July, like that. Zodiac opens on the Fourth of July. So what? Zodiac. Perfect. There we go. Zodiac. <laughs> All right, there we go. <laughs> In fact, that moves to number one. <laughs> That's number one. Uh, blowout's number two. Actually, he's oh, there a, we go. He's a Liberty Killer. See, Liberty Bell Killer. You okay, so yeah. Ultimately, you just named two better ones than I did. All right, we're getting there. We're figuring it out. Guys, how you doing? We're doing the thing. We're talking movies and TV and streaming stuff, uh, but also, you know, life shit. How's life shit going for you, Drew? I mean, life's just going okay. Yeah. School starts Monday. Oh, boy. That's scary. I mean, masks are required, so... You know, or to get like a uh, electrostatic defog shock the classroom every morning. I mean, more than likely, they got them HEPA filters installed. Yeah. I'll be like, can I get the seat that's next to the HEPA filter, please? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not really all that worried about it. It's still going to be, you know, smaller classes to set the other. I mean, yeah. it was fine before the last month. It was just two weeks out. They've been it. taking the precautions yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah, man, it's tough out there uh, when the man we're like crushing. The country with. Uh, I mean, if we were in, if we were in Brevard County, daily cases. If we were down in Miami, it'd mm-hmm. be a different story. I'm not sure if I'd be even going to class. True, but, but uh, <laughs> Orange County is like second in the state for for confirmed cases so far. It is. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we're doing pretty good. Orange is also kind of big. Um. Yeah, be careful out there, guys. Use your mask and whatnot. Use your common sense. Common sense. Uh, and dollars, cents, and dollars. Welcome to a new uh, podcast, Common, Common Sense Do- and Dollars. We should uh, just call it Common Dollars. It's called Common Dollars, where we talk about uh, finances in the age of corona. <laughs> Here's your host, Drusa Cogburn, giving you uh, top five tips for uh, supermarket shopping during a pandemic. Tip number five, go. Uh, don't go to the supermarket. Correct. Tip number four, go. Don't go to the supermarket. Uh, tip number three, go. Get your stuff delivered if possible. Ah, tip number two. Uh, tip those delivery people very well. That's a good idea. And finally, tip number one for doing your grocery shopping during the pandemic. Fuck it, just kill yourself. Kill yourself. That's your first episode of Common Dollars with Juice to Cogburn. Uh, we'll be seeing more of that, I'm sure, in the future. I'm sure we won't. Um, if there even is a future, Chris. There might not be a future. It better be at least until the end of August. We got all, <laughs> got all these Patreon episodes backed up that people need to hear. We, I have, mean, we have that gold on Masters of the Universe still yeah. to come out. <laughs> People got They got to hear, hear it. They got to hear about Gwildor. Um, 
media diets. We really didn't watch a, a movie jointly this week, but uh, I don't know about you. I did manage to get down on a lot of stuff. I didn't get that. We had an opposite. Opposite. You know, last week I yeah. had a lot of stuff and you didn't. Yeah. I, I don't have a lot of stuff this week and apparently you do. Okay. So. Well, uh, I finally uh, worked out my HBO Max scenario. Okay. So I can talk about all that stuff in a little bit. First, I did watch a couple movies. Uh, I watched that movie that we tried to stream on your TV, but uh, that that player hates Vizios. We both have Vizios. What a pain in the ass. Yeah. Scottish film called Beats from last year, 2019. Executive produced by Steven Soderbergh, apparently. Does it have Steven Soderbergh-y little do-do-do-do-do-do? Like, is there stuff going on? What do you mean? We go like from like one oh, like process? Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no process. <laughs> uh, no, <Damn> it. <laughs> no. it's just executive produced. No, okay. Um, Still, every once in a while, you, you never know. Maybe he's sitting there with the director and be like, hey, "Why aren't you throwing a process?" Yeah, that's over true. Yeah, he comes up with something <laughs> himself. He approached this guy who I guess is Scottish or English. He approaches dude after seeing this episode of Black Mirror. Okay, and I was like, I have this idea for a project. I want you to do, and the dude passed on the project, but then said he had. He's like, I got this idea. You want to help me with this? So he helped him make his movie Beats, which is about uh, these two kids in a poorer part of uh, town. I guess they're in Glasgow, Glasgow, in Scotland. And um, one of them's a real, he's a brother of a degenerate. Uh, I don't even think the parents are around. And then the other one, it's like him and his, his mom who's single and then her like boyfriend who's a cop. Okay. And, uh, and they're getting ready to move to a new like suburban house, like a prefab house or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like last night in town for the for the for the one kid for Jono, and his buddy wants to take him to a rave. So there's this, this backdrop. The whole thing takes place in '94, okay. when they passed the criminal justice reform bill of '94 in the UK, which had sweeping like terrible uh, p- measures put into place to give uh, police way more control and take away civil liberties. It was really right. bad. One of the things they banned was uh, raves, mm-hmm. and it was like a, a gathering of. 20 or more people where music is playing it's illegal you can't do this shit um, so it's them like finding out about a rave going to it it's last night in town there's a great like 10 minute dance sequence at the end the whole movie's in black and white and then there's part of the dance montage that gets like kind of trippy and cool because they're on drugs yeah. uh, breaks into like color Cool. At times, yeah. before it goes back to, to the black white it's kind of pleasant villainy, mm-hmm. I guess uh, well no it's just you know Change of consciousness. Yes. Oh, visually. Well, but, then goes, <laughs> but then it goes back to the black and white when the police show up to break up the party. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty good movie. Very good. solid. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm not sure if you've been to rave or not. But when the police show up, you get sober oh, real quick. Part, party is over. They start banging on their shields, dunk, 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 like motherfuckers. They they are purposeful here to kill our buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. It's a good movie. It's like a coming of age story. It's a last night in town, last party type of thing. It's a uh, you know, like these dudes having a bromance, you know, like several times. I was like, are they going to kiss? Is this when they kiss? Is this how they do it? Is this how they do it? But they, they, never, they never kiss. Spoiler alert, guys, they don't kiss. I mean, there's more of a chance of them kissing when they're both high on drugs at a rave. Or, yeah, or even at the come down afterwards where they're laying in bed together. Because that happens. Well, are, are, is this now? They're going to kiss. <laughs> is this what happens? They're kiss. No kissing. Um, it's good. It's good. It's a cool, it's a fun, interesting, uh, well-made, like small movie that uh, still would have been fun to see, especially for the to hear the music on like loud theater speakers mm-hmm. and to, for the, the dance scenes at the end would have been super cool to see it in a theater. Um, but it, well, that never was going to happen around here. It's a total film yeah. festival type movie. Maybe would have played at the end scene if they could have fit During into the their summer sk- or right. film festival stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Beats. I saw that. It was pretty good. Word up. 
I can recommend it. People, look out for it online. Worth seeing it. It was a 2019 movie. I mean, it's 2019 because that's when I played festivals. I'm not sure if it's Music Box Film, so it has a distributor. That's how I saw it. So it's got to be on like a streaming service eventually. Yeah. Keep, just keep an eye out for it. How about that? I heard that. Speaking of streaming services, Hamilton dropped on Disney Plus on Friday. And? July 3rd. Lin-Manuel Miranda's birthday present to America. So I watched it. Mm-hmm. I watched it. Drew, uh, Drew, I would not say, oh, Drew, you got to see this shit, bro. Of course not. It's, it's a musical. A, it's a hundred percent. It's it's a musical. Musical. It, musical. It's like a, musical. It's a proper Broadway musical. Yeah. It's a the there's maybe one scene where characters are actually like speaking in non rhyming dialogue for a couple of lines. I was like, wait, I, I sat up in my seat. It's like, did they? <laughs> did they just have dialogue? Was that normal speaking for once? The whole thing is like half sung singing or full out singing or um. They make a big deal about the hip hop elements, and it's really just like, even though it's all like black and Hispanic creators, they're still catering to the white Broadway audience. Well, so, yeah, because so it it's, it's Broadway. Yeah, so it fits <laughs> that mold. It reminds me of how, like, I know anything about Broadway. It reminds me of how uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber did rock musicals in the 70s, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar and uh, Starlight Express, and it's all like the rock and roll of the time, but also in a cheesy Broadway mm-hmm. sort of way. Hamilton is like the music of our time for sure. It's like updated Broadway music, but it's unless you're into that type of music, it's still just like, eh, mm-hmm. it's fine. Some songs are very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt the raw emotion of it. Now, here's an interesting thing. It's because uh, it is a filmed yes. play. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's pluses and minuses, right? One of the good things about seeing a play or a musical is being in the room. And live. and Live. Feeling it. Watching it being created yeah. in front of you. It's a live experience. It's like, whoa. When you see it in the filmed version, it's like it loses a little bit. Of, you lose that step. But because then they are having the liberties of, I think they stitch together two or three performances. Okay. They um, do some. They probably did a run with like no one in the crowd. Maybe where then they had cameras on stage, mm-hmm. so every now and then they could cut to like close ups, close ups, two or shots, whatever shot. yeah, yeah. It gets more cinematic. Um, also, in the staging of the play, they did some things like Broadway stage tricks mm-hmm. to make it feel more cinematic. Like you know how sta- big Broadways always have the the moving stages and things yeah. like that. So this one has a big rotating circle in the middle that they use. Um, obviously, since it's Hamilton Burr, uh, the play features not one. Not two, but three duels. Okay. Duels are a big part of it. Yeah. And the rules of the duels mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, I mean, that even rhymes itself, Chris. I, it was by accident. <laughs> God. It's infected in me. It's like a disease. It's terrible. It is. The uh, one of the duels ends with like, it, and then it's, it's enhanced by the camera movement. It probably looks cool in the room, but it looks pretty cool on screen too, where one guy shoots the other one guy's in the back of the stage and the one who's in the front of the stage has his back to the audience he gets shot the the lights like change the dark blue and then he like throws his body to the side as if he got shot mm-hmm. but then as if it goes into slow motion he stays still and then the stage rotates but then he's like no <laughs> like he's like that's falling cool. and someone's yeah. like no and he falls into these people's hands and I was like oh that's impressive looking it looks really cool I understand why it's so popular. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a good, well-told story um, that's like largely looking on like largely historically accurate, pretty accurate. Any story that's like about 
the forefathers in America and New York. Like, we love all these things. You know, there's going to be a lot of like fudging and making things nicer or whatever. Um, I understand why it's so popular. Like the music is gets pretty catchy. They do classic Broadway shit of like they do like the first five or six songs, and then for the rest of the play, it's like different reprises of all the songs, and then okay. recontextualize the the titles and shit. And like, oh, I see what they've been building up to. Uh, it's two hours and f- well, it's on the timer says two forty. It's really like two thirty five. But it's it's a still it's no. a Broadway play. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things are supposed to be longer. Paying people are paying a lot for that shit. With a one minute intermission, that surprise your pause button makes it intermission as long as you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need Intermat. I need a five minute intermission as a matter right of fact. Right now, yeah. Um, I get it. I definitely get it. Didn't not like it. Wasn't bored. When I started, I was like, oh god, here we go. Yeah, let's do this. I, I was a little, <laughs> I was a little like, oh, I feel like I'm doing more like cultural homework here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm glad I watch it. I'm glad I watched it. Glad I saw it. Uh, since I saw that version, I don't feel any need at all to see any sort of like regional or traveling production because no. it is with the original cast. Mm-hmm. So it's like the dudes now in Snowpiercer and uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Like all these people have moved on yeah. now to do other things. So it's, uh, that is also impressive as well to see this cast. Um, yeah, I get it. Now, now I get it now. Cool. Now you can tell me Hamilton. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, Hamilton. And I can wave you off. I get it. <laughs> I, I understand. I don't have to see it to get it. I get no, it. you definitely don't. <laughs> you definitely don't. Uh, I feel like John Adams got the short shrift in this one. It makes me want to watch the John Adams HBO thing and, and be like, I mean, he was. Because people were all about that when that came out on HBO. I mean, well, ago. it was really good, but I mean, it's. I mean, John Adams wasn't necessarily the great. I mean, he's he's a complicated man just like anybody else. He's a complicated man, but he, he was also a. F- full-on anti-slavery abolitionist through and through. Not even one of these guys like, yeah, yeah. I had a couple of sleeves no. and I freed no. him eventually. No. No. That's like the one thing he really had against all. And then Paul Giamatti was like, <laughs> um, So Hamilton, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Thumbs up. You, you did good, guys. You did good with your musical. Understand now why people like it so much. Um, okay. Let's get into this uh, some of this HBO Max stuff. Okay. And then I got a couple of books I'm going to talk about. We'll just start watching, Chris. The f- first thing I watched, just because of timing, I uh, I had enough time, I watched them separate. The first episode of Perry Mason, and then I watched a second episode last night, ah. over the course of a couple days. I haven't watched the second episode You haven't yet. watched it? I ain't going to say, obviously, you ain't going to say yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah, Outside of generalities, it's an interesting program, I it's have a, to say. It's an interesting take yeah. on Perry Mason. Yeah, it I, wasn't... I like it as, uh, like, a darker version. Yes. Uh, and... It's it's like I, it's more like uh, Frank Miller's Perry Mason Begins. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like yeah. I mean, it's almost like it's and actually it gets too dark. <laughs> what, what I did, I I did see the first scene of episode two actually before I stopped. So the the the, the World War One scene. So which, like, which is then threaded throughout the, his flashbacks the of uh, World War One yeah. are threaded throughout episode two, mm-hmm. uh, which makes me think of one of the detriments of the show. Um, I guess because even though it's HBO, it's still a TV-sized budget. Yeah. They're using a lot of green screen, blue screen, CG but, compositing yeah. to build out their the 19... Cities. What is it? Yeah. 32? Something like that? Yeah. Because it's the World War One. Yeah. So is it yeah. the 20s or is it the 30s? Well, it's the rise of Hollywood, so... 20s. 20s. Then, 20s. Um, he... Uh, it looks like... No, it does. 
It's like a. This, <laughs> but, could, this but, could look better, but then it fades to the background. Well, no, exactly. And then, and then once you get in the close shots on the back lots, everything it's just a city. So then you're just uh, then you're inside interiors and rooms, and you're just looking at sets. It's fine. Then, then it's fine. Uh, then, yeah. then it's all good. Uh, I like this guy. This I mean, dude from the Americans. What's his name? Something. Rice. Oh, Reese. Reese Myers. Reese Myers. Is that what it is? No. Reese no. Jonathan Reese. Jonathan Reese. Yes. Yeah. No. I thought his. I thought the Reese part was the last name for this guy. <laughs> There's all these different reasons. Well, no, because because uh, no, hang on, hang on, hang on a second. Obviously, going back to Indiana Jones and uh, right, is that Reese Myers, Jonathan Reese Myers, isn't that the see? That's name? why I'm saying that. Yeah, yeah, because he is a uh, Salah Matthew Reese. Matthew Reese. There we go. Um, he's good. I'm liking him. Go, Obviously, go Lithgow. Uh, I am going to spoil this for you, Drew. Popped up in episode two as the DA, Stephen Root. Yes. So now we have like Go Go Lithgow and Stephen Root and going, Wiggum. going head to head. <laughs> Shay Wiggum. Shay Wiggum's the fucking, he's yeah. his little buddy. It's like, yes. He's his like fixer guy or whatever, I his love, helper. I love Shay Wiggum. He's got a great cast. It's <laughs> got a solid cast. The, the woman who plays Lithgow's assistant, she's, I think, from, from Deadwood. Okay. Is she? It's killing me. Yeah. Where's that? Camera? It's like anyway. Not my brain. My, <laughs> sorry, guys. My brain broke there for a second as I was trying to recall her face. Um, I just watched that episode last night, so yeah. it's a uh, yeah, it's an interesting show. Darker, yeah, uh, and gorier yeah. too. <laughs> Dude, oh, <whoa. laughs> I mean, fucking episode one is fucking crazy dark. Yeah, it's really dark, and the second one shows you some gore that's like oh. Yeah. And then apparently they're not just showing to you for like gore sake. No, like, it's because like, by the end it's like oh plot point. Yeah, no, exactly story. Like oh, what's the show got in store for me? <laughs> now I have to like second guess it. Re- recommend it to my mom. <laughs> like mom, there's gonna be a scene. Maybe a couple. Maybe. Oh, boy. Um, so yeah, Perry Mason. Man, yeah, that's, that's cool. Good. That's a cool show. That's a cool show. Uh, I got down on that Doctor Sleep director's cut because that's on HBO Max. Okay, so it's 20 or 30 minutes longer. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a full three hours. Yeah. Uh, so this is my first time watching it since seen it in theaters. Uh, I think I like the movie more mm-hmm. overall. And all the the stuff that happens at the Shining Hotel, uh, the Ma- Overlook. Makes more sense? Not that it makes more sense. It just bothered me less. Okay. I was a little more hung up the first time around. Like, hey, you may just trying to copy Kubrick. It's, your that's own what thing. it felt like. Yeah, and it is in some ways. There's still a couple things that bother me, but I just try to let that go. Just let, let enjoy the parts movie that I do like, and there's a lot, a lot to like about it. Now, when it comes to the director's cut, director's cut aspect, that it, the fact that it was like 30 minutes longer, I was expecting like a whole subplot to be put back in. Yeah. It's only a handful of scenes, and I only recognize a couple right off the bat. But like, I definitely don't remember this and this. Like, there are two scenes. Uh, I was meaning to go online and to see Find what, out. The, what are the actual differences because I know there's stuff in there, but. I guess I just wasn't familiar enough with the OG mm-hmm. to be like, oh, look at all this extra stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, no, it flows great. At three hours, it's a fantastic movie. I love the pacing. Uh, the Some of the effects are really cool. Rebecca Ferguson, she's so great. All the actors are great. Hugh McGregor. Uh, uh, what is this? Was Cliff, Cliff Curtis? Oh, man. Oh, Cliff Curtis. He gets done nasty. Poor guy. Uh, yeah, so I watched that. That's really good. That's on there. Uh, I watched some Looney Tunes stuff, old and new. Mm-hmm. It was uh, wild how much Looney Tunes has been produced over the years. Yeah. It's like 30-something seasons. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then just doing a quick glance at the titles and episode descriptions. Watching it in the 80s, 
I think the stuff that I liked the most were the reruns of the seventies cartoons. I think they were okay. I think we were being shown a lot of seventies stuff in the eighties, maybe. Well, I really want to do a deep dive and see what what are my, what's my Looney Tunes. I mean, I've seen a lot of the. I, I remember obviously we've seen all of them. I remember seeing a lot of the '40s stuff too when I was a kid. We, we watched some because uh, yeah, last night. It's like yeah, I definitely seen these. Yeah, yeah, because all of the racially insensitive stuff towards Japanese people with Bugs Bunny is all in there, and like I can't get that shit out of my head. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> like a lot I close of, my eyes. It's like legit. <laughs> they did World War II propaganda. Yeah, well, no, exactly. Uh, I mean, I get it. We were at war, so yeah. I mean, fuck them war. War's bad, guys. 1940s episode, Hair Raising Hair, features uh, the, the big orange uh, monster dude. Mm-hmm. Yes. What's his name? Oh, I forget, but he he uh, he shows up in the new ones. He's in, like, episode yeah. two. Yeah. One or two. It's like, oh, it's the monster. Yeah. Uh, and it was a fun episode. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, I, I know you've seen them all. No. The, there's an episode where Yosemite Sam is just destroying people in an arm wrestling competition. Yes. And he goes up against Bugs Bunny. Right, it's bugs. Mm-hmm. There's this gag in there that made me laugh out loud so hard. Where uh, he goes to arm wrestle bugs, and then he's holding the glove, and it pans back a bit, and he's holding a stick of dynamite with a glove on it. And then there's like a person behind him, and then he turns around, and it's a whole person made of dynamite. It's like an extra. They took the joke to an yeah. extra level. Uh, it, 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 that's a that's an old school Indians gag. Almost every <laughs> episode has like one or where, two moments that makes me yeah. laugh out loud. Exactly, like my when like Bugs Bunny's there and like. Elmer Fudd's got him, and then it pans close to Elmer Fudd's face, and then we pan back out, and then immediately it's a bunny made out of dynamite. Yes, <laughs> yes, magical realism. Yep. It's so <laughs> great. The nightmare logic of, yeah. <laughs> of applications of dynamite. It's a, it's a scary world when it is. Yeah. You, you, but you, I mean, you, you catch your foe, and then he turns into a bomb. But with that logic, though, I mean, at least the bombs don't kill you. Like you just go black. You, you just get covered in soot. Yeah. And then the next scene, you're back to normal. <laughs> you, get, you get covered in soot. Your 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 hat turns into like a dust. Just a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a spindly dust. Mm-hmm. And then you turn around. You you shake it off, and yeah. then you're fine. Exactly. Kill so the I can, rabbit. So I can deal with that. Um, it's a give and take. It is a give and take. It's interesting to see what they're leaving in because people are like, oh, you can't do all the Looney Tunes stuff you can't do anymore. Well, all they really did was take out the guns. Yes. There's still plenty of violence, just not gun it's violence. A, it's extremely violent. Um, Elmer Fudd still has a, a. He still has a speech impediment mm-hmm. in a way. So does a, a Porky Pig. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Daffy's still Daffy. I'm pre- I mean, I'm pretty sure Elmer Fudd has alopecia. He's not a speck of hair on his body. Yeah, sure. He probably, he probably does have alopecia. Um, have they brought back Speedy? No, I have not seen Speedy. Speedy. No, Sylvester's still trying to eat Tweety. Oh yeah, he is. A lot of stuff is still intact. It's very, it's very interesting how it evolves over the years. Um, and then finally, so uh, I went through. It's weird how they do have this up on HBO Max, where they have uh, they advertise it as being like, yeah, we have a whole bunch of stuff from the Criterion Collection. Because uh, Criterion, Criterion has its own channel, mm-hmm. but I guess they worked out a deal where a good amount of that stuff is on HBO. But they don't have a Criterion like Little button thing, yeah. uh, hub. They have a Turner Classic Movies one, yeah. and that's where a bunch of the Criterion stuff mm-hmm. is at. So I went through that, and I had a whole bunch of movies onto my list, list from that alone, including all five or six Lone Wolf and Cub movies. Yeah, they're all on there. They're all on there. And I've only seen the first two. I've seen the first two, and I've seen Shogun Assassin. Actually, I saw Shogun Assassin first, mm-hmm. which is the first two movies edited together with a, a child's voiceover over the whole thing to try to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And all they did was like just put all the action scenes together. Yeah. So it's two hours of fucking insanity. 
it's great. <laughs> but then the original movies, unedited, are great as well, and yeah, they're yeah. and they're and they're probably paced better and they're more filmy. <laughs> yes, though they're gorgeous. Uh, yeah. They took they even though they made the first three movies in one year. All the first three movies are all 1972, the same director, and then the next two or three are like two or three years later. Um, even though they cranked them out, they still like took time to make them look good. Mm-hmm. They had ideas about it. They weren't just like cranking them out because it was a popular manga. And uh, so the plan is to I uh, I'm I rewatched the first one, gonna rewatch the second one, and then I'm gonna watch the rest of them for the first time because I haven't seen all the sequels. Mm-hmm. So I watched last night. Um, uh, I have to write down the subtitles. Lone Wolf and Cub, Sword of Vengeance, which was the very first one. Just explains the backstory of the, the assassin, how he came uh, to be being a Roman assassin with a child and all that. If you're interested in Mandalorian stuff, then this is you know good yeah, homework yeah. to watch. This is the, <laughs> it's like a similar setup. Uh, man, Drew. Gorgeous movie. Yeah. And, and it's so funny. It's been over 20 years since I've seen him because it was high school or college when I watched him. Yeah. And there are little bits here and there, like oh, I, I remember, remember this. Yeah. yeah, oh, this is this definitely left a, a mark on me. And the whole bunch of it, like I forgot. Yeah, it, the main story beats I forgot. Uh, so it's fun to to go through these mm-hmm. again. And I love that they're there, and I'm I'm, 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 I'm finally happy, Drew. It, it took thirty something years. I'm finally happy. Okay, Porky Chris. I'm pleased. It's that nightmare logic, man. It just gets in your brain. <laughs> then it explodes. And then it explodes. The nightmare gets inside your brain. And then it explodes. Thank you, John Voigt from Anaconda for explaining that. Um, I finally finished reading Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. Uh, this one took me a bit to read because it's like 600 pages. Mm-hmm. And the font's all tiny. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's a lot going on. Uh, but I read it. It's a fantastic book. I don't know... I mean, obviously, they try to make everything to shows. Now, These days, right? I mean, uh, yeah. it's book one of the Dark Star trilogy. Book two and three haven't been haven't come out yet. Uh, what it could it one day make a, a series? Yes. Could it be popular? I don't know. It's wild. It, it's one of the most uh, violent books I've read. Uh, a lot of like monsters and demons and stuff, and uh, it's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a crazy wild book. That the, and then the epic too. Actually, that first book could be like. Four seasons of a show, yeah. just one book. Mm-hmm. It's, it's there we go. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, by how I mean, if people are into fantasy, or also it's got like magical realism type stuff, and um, uh, also it's you know Marlon James is a black author. I think he's Jamaican, so his approach to making it was this is supposed to be uh, like Black Lord of the Rings, sort yeah. of. It's like you know, um, I'll be. It's not the direct parallel to a story. It's still its own story still, about a guy looking for it, a child. It, it's just something that epic with this yes. sort of yes. cultural background as opposed to, you know, your fucking pasty white guys. Instead of a pasty white European-based Anglo background, it's a, a African-based uh, mythical background. So he's drawn from African lore yeah. and then making up his own shit. I mean, that was, and it's, it's some scary stuff. That was there. one of my it's favorite cool. thing about Neil Gaiman's American Gods was that it drew from all lore. Mm-hmm, so yeah. it wasn't just 
one thing or here it was you know an african god and a norse god yeah. and a fucking god you never heard of before yeah that, that is a fun aspect so, of that of that book that's super cool no. what show was that series on it's on stars i, I should, haven't watched it yet should, but it's on there i should be watching that know, shit so should i how come i ain't watching that shit i don't know time i haven't started time, actually that's why I, I haven't started watching it because i'm afraid I'm afraid I'm not going to like it because I like the book so much. I think it got... I mean, they did a few seasons of it. I two. Think two? And is that it? I, I, I wonder if they stopped I it. I don't know. Mm. I don't have stars, so I'm not up on it. It's got Ian McShane. I know it does. You have stars now. I know, but... Oh. You know what I mean, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it's been on for years. Haven't had stars until oh, a yeah, month yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you, I got you, I got you. Uh, so Black Leopard, Red Wolf, Highly Wreck-O-Man. It came out last year, which means it's available on paperback now. Um, I've I'm almost done reading this other book, so I'm going to talk about it now. It's a much shorter book. It's called Heavy, by this dude Keith Lemon Layman Layman L A Y M O N Keith Layman. He is a uh, professor, college professor. It's his memoir, and okay. it's only like something like 200 pages, so it can be read pretty fast, like in an afternoon if you really mm-hmm. wanted to. And it's uh, about him growing up in Mississippi with a single mom and all that. It's written to his mom, so it's all like you did this, you did that. Mm-hmm. It's talking about his mom. Um, it's about growing up fat, uh, extremely overweight, going to food for, uh, comfort, for comfort um, getting to a point where you hate yourself. And then he, in college, he goes the other way and gets addicted to losing weight. So like towards the end of the book, he's like underweight and passing out on Kroger's and shit like that and happy about it. Uh, his uncle says, uh, uh, you, you, you eat like a white girl. So. <laughs> um, and then so it's about his very complicated relationship with his mother, his grandmother, family members, America. So it's about being black in America. It's about being fat. It's about relationship with your body. A uh, lot of things going on. And it, since it is a memoir, it's also like he was, a, I think he was in college by the early 90s. So all, all the things he's talking about are like, we know the references. Yeah. You know, uh, he's talking about like. Ice Cube and uh, 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 like TV shows and uh, 9-11 happens you know and uh, it's all from his perspective where he was at and it's interesting to you know just another perspective mm-hmm. of uh, events that we know or a world that we know but it's still different because it's it's his America his America is different from my, my America which is different from yours right mm-hmm. uh, so it's called Heavy an American Memoir it's great it's it's great people we're not it reminds me a lot of this book I read last year called uh, There There by Tommy Orange. It's like Native Indian, Native American version, sort of mm. the same thing. Um, and that's it. That's it for my media diet for cool. uh, for uh, for a week already. So what do you got, buddy? No, uh, I watched uh, the new episode of Reunited Apart on YouTube. It was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Nice. So they got everybody to do the Reunited Apart thing. Even Ben Stein. I love Ben Stein. <laughs> oh, Ben Stein. The, the, One of my favorite shows on Comedy Central in high school was Win Ben Stein's Money. He just sits there and talks like this the whole fucking time, and even when he jokes, he's just monotone. It's just and monotone. I love it. He knew he knew his bits. Well, no, and, and he 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 himself said that uh, that role in Ferris Bueller's Day Off fucking changed his life for the better. Like he could oh, yeah. have never would not have been the same. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, sure. He would just been a political hack writer for him the rest of his life. Oh, exactly. He would he would have just kept working for Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so that was really good. It was did, fun, it was did, fun to watch did, that. Does Matthew Broderick still look like uh, Matthew Broderick? Yeah, like, like uh, a yeah, Sarah he, Jessica he, Parker sucked the life out of him in the late nineties. I mean, yes, and uh, I mean, she may have sucked the life out of him, but it froze him in time. Like mm-hmm. he hasn't aged since that point. Yeah, since he got puffy and weird looking. 
He still looks the same, though. He hasn't. Why is? Well, I, mean, I think he's maybe lost a little bit of weight. That he, helps. He looks if you lose more weight, normal. If you lose weight as you get older, yeah, that kind of helps. He, he looks more normal. Too much. And everybody's. I mean, they brought the entire cast back. Even uh, what's what's his face? Who is the best friend? Because he's on. Yeah, uh, Alan Ruck. He, he's on Secession now. So. Oh, is he really? Yeah, dude, you got you got I HBO got Max. Work. I know. I got I got <laughs> so many shows. Fucking hell! It is. First, I have to watch. I have to. I have to watch Lone so, Wolf and Cub. But yeah. then I promise. Secession's good. I mean, dude, it's fucking Brian Cox. I saw Alan Ruck. Ruck, right? I saw Alan Ruck play the Matthew Broderick role in the producers in the traveling production of the, Bru- of the producers house here in Orlando back in like two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah. Just tie all that together. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Uh, and then I. Uh, I watched. I was at the Red Box, so I got the uh, Justice League Dark colon Apocalypse War. Is this animated? Yeah, Justice League Dark Dark colon Apocalypse War. Ooh, I hate that I apo- colon Apocalypse War. The colon Apocalypse. That's yeah. bad stuff. Yeah, yeah, but but it's not. But it's Apocalypse spelled like the a- DC a- planet. Apocalypse A P O K A L I A P A P O K Ellipse L I P S. Yeah, because it's. A planet, not a thing. You, you yeah, know. I'll look it up. Um, but it, it's uh, but yeah. So who's is it? Uh, Constantine. Yeah, so we're following Constantine, but oh, it's a oh, uh, uh, magic lady. Zatanna. Yes, Zatanna. Uh, but also, uh, it's uh, it's a Flashpoint tie-in, so it's kind of an alternate version of all these characters. Okay. So so Constantine. Uh, Con- Constantine he has tuberculosis. Well, no, Constantine's still Constantine. Uh, the demon. Are you familiar with the demon? Uh, Etrigan. He he rhymes all the time. No. Anyway, he's uh, he's drunk and not rhyming until the end. Uh, okay. <laughs> a, a, a bunch of the other DC characters get captured by Darkseid and turn into cyborgs. Okay. So that's fun. Right. Uh, Superman doesn't have his powers until like the very end because he gets injected with liquid uh, kryptonite by Darkseid. Ooh. So pretty good. I mean, it's a it's a it's a really it's, it's definitely like a, it's not for kids. It's definitely a, an adult. Justice League. And is it a feature length, like 90 uh, minutes? It's just under 90 minutes. Good stuff? Yeah, totally worth watching. Yeah? Uh, what about the animation style? It's fine. It's regular animation Just regular, style. not cheap, yeah. not, not no. nothing fancy. No, it was fine. Yeah, okay. It didn't bug me. Right. Uh, and then uh, on HBO Max mm-hmm. uh, and the DC thing, they just dropped like 16 different DC animated movies. Oh, like all the... Uh, all the Batman, Batman one, stuff? Justice yeah. League one, all sorts of shit. Nice. Uh, I ended up watching one of them, mm-hmm. Batman colon Assault on Arkham. It's uh, basically, for all intents and purposes, it's a Suicide Squad movie. Oh, yeah. It's not even a Batman. Batman's hardly in it. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, <laughs> and the character designs are based on the video game. So I think it's based on the video game mythology, which is, I think, a little different than the, the Arkham Asylum yeah. games. I see what you're saying. So, because the, the character designs are based on those characters. Okay. Because, like, I just on in uh, Justice League Dark, we get fucking King Shark, mm-hmm. and he's Shark. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, fuck, with, he's, it's comic books with he's, like, uh, he's like legs. Yeah, exactly. He's a shark. Yeah, yeah. In this one, Batman Assault, uh, because it. Because the video game is more realistic, mm-hmm. King Shark's in this too, but he's just a dude with like metal teeth. Oh. Because they're realistic. Yeah, more. I don't so like that. I want a shark game, <laughs> yeah. dude. In, in the Justice, I want a gorilla in the League, a shark game. In the Justice League Dark One, fucking King Shark gets kryptonite teeth, so he could because they oh. did uh, they mixed Superman's DNA with something else to make these giant monsters. Yeah, and so they could fight 
because all the bad guys had Superman DNA. Yeah. Everybody had fucking kryptonite weapons. King Shark had kryptonite teeth and he was just chopping these fucking things to bits. It was oh, hilarious. That's funny. <laughs> that sounds cool. It was. That sounds really good. Uh, and then the Batman Assault on Arkham, was that good? or It was fine. Just uh, fine? It, it, once again, it was it, it was like TV-17, so it's mm-hmm. uh, it was violent. There were heads exploding, things oh, of that nature. Cool. Uh, Definitely get away with a lot more of that when it's ammo needed. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of people die. Uh, and Batman so you know how most of the time when Batman has the cowl on he's just got like the white eyes they, just white dead eyes they white it out yeah it's all white 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 yeah this it was all white but then they had little slightly more gray eye pupils in it and it really threw me off like they gave him like eyes yeah it was weird that is weird it was weird animation I choice I don't like that I didn't like it at all yeah. either no. no 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 that's not why, why, why do you do that guys why do you mess with the eyes but it's yeah. like when they have Dr. Manhattan with uh, normal eyes not white eyes I'm like oh exactly now it's just a man painted blue yep uh, so yeah a lot of people died in this one uh, <laughs> including Excellent. including uh, Killer Frost King Shark KG Beast <laughs> Black Spider uh, the the government agent who runs the Suicide Squad, Waller. Yeah, she may or may not die at the end of this. Oh, wow. and the Joker may or may not die as well. Whoa, that's a lot of shit. A lot to it's fucking bloody. It is definitely because it's not- also like just a one-off thing. Like screw, it, we can kill everyone and then we make another yeah. comic later, another and, cartoon later. Exactly. And uh, I think there's one other of the DC animated movies that are on there because I, I I checked to make sure they weren't the kids ones yeah so because i don't want to watch the justice league if it's based on you know like the justice league tv show that's for fucking kids yeah it's for Uh, it's for 12 years old exactly so i i made sure they were all at least pg-13 okay and then one of them that i looked up i didn't write down the name of it but one of them was straight up rated r really (laughs) interesting do you call those a batman or justice league i think it was a suicide squad movie a suicide squad movie suicide squad animated movie interesting but it was was rated r and i was like they haven't put they haven't put the harley quinn show on hbo max not yet not yet but it's kind of it's come on guys it's slated to be on there come on get on it they're probably just it's probably running whatever exclusive deal it had with whoever when it first came out when they put on the dc yeah on their own dc app or maybe they just don't want to over uh, just make people abandon the DC app right away, or know. or maybe they also license it to some other show or maybe, channel. Maybe it's got to go to uh, uh, be on Cartoon Network first on Adult Swim or something put, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, stupid licensing. These are so dumb. I mean, we got like Disney movies that are coming off of Disney to go to Netflix for like the next three years because yeah. of the shit they were forever ago. Same thing with Warner movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, we'll talk a little bit about some of that stuff in the second half. Uh, and okay. uh, other than those, all I've really been doing is playing Civilization Six, because uh, there was some new stuff, some download for it. downloadable Down, yep. stuff with uh, different play styles, mod, different characters to play as. And it's on the uh, Xbox, uh, Nintendo Switch, Nintendo Switch. Excuse me. I mean, it's, it's also on, it's also on the Xbox uh, now. But, but you're but you're playing on Switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Switch going on. Yeah. What else do you play on the Switch? Not not much right now because I'm having Wicked Joy-Con drift. So, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I, I don't so, know. The doctor finally called you with that. You have so, what? So, the Nintendo Switch. Did the, did the medicine stop working? You, you, you know how it's it's set up, right? Yeah. It's got those the, the handles on the side that are yeah. the controllers. Yeah. Uh, the the little uh, the thumb the the, the the thumb things. Yeah. Uh, however, they're made. Uh, I I guess like the rubber band, whatever. Something wears out in there. Mm-hmm. And it causes the Nintendo Switch to read it as the thing's moving when it's not. 
Okay. And it's called Drift. So basically, you'll be sitting there like, like I won't be touching anything on my game and it'll the cursor like if it's in civilization mm-hmm. like cursor will just start moving around the map like crazy because it thinks it's going one direction uh, so that sucks. and we, we try and to play the controller itself yeah yeah god damn it. how much how much they're going to charge you for these things Th- there is a class action lawsuit right now <laughs> Against Nintendo. Make sure you sign up so you can get that eight dollar well, check in the mail. Well, no, well, no. It's it's the same thing that happened with the Xbox uh, and the Red Ring of Death. Yeah. Um. It it's become such a prevalent issue that once the lawsuit said, I I guarantee you, at the end of it, the lawsuit will be settled mm-hmm. and it'll be just like the Xbox thing. Will you be able to just send it into Nintendo and you they'll send you a replacement or they'll fix it for you? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But we, you have to wait for the lawsuit to make them do that because until then, they're still a company all, all about profit. What a pain in the ass. What a pain in the ass. I mean, they're spending millions of dollars on fucking Nintendo Land Japan right now. So. Man, that thing looks amazing. Have you seen the pictures? Holy, I saw the video. Have you seen the video? I, I saw the pictures, not the video. I'll show you the video on the break. The thing's in motion. Holy shit, it looks I wild. mean, it, the pictures look like a fucking live action Mario level. Yes. Like, it looks like if yes. I was in a Mario suit, like, I would just, in a, you know, Wearing a Mario suit and being on hallucinogens, mm-hmm. I would think I was Mario. You, you would start headbutting yeah. bricks. Yep, uh huh. You probably yeah, hurt yeah. yourself. And seeing Koopa Troopa trying to jump on top of them and shit. Jump into green pipes. Yep. Man, I can hear it in my head. <laughs> I could hear it just watching the video. I'll show it to you. Um, okay, so that's it for your media diet. Yep. All right, we're going to take a break here. Let me play this little, dude, this little track I put together. It's sort of a. Uh, like a chill if you're studying it's one of those chill study beats if you're at your desk late at night uh, just tapping your pencil it gets your face for three hours on a loop this is the type of music you listen to like an anime girl haha correct and we'll be right back with the second half of the show we got a whole ton of uh, stories to get through Rest in peace, Carl Ryan. That's white. That's that's white. 
Sorry, Carl. <laughs> we back, though. <laughs> Carl Reiner. Uh, legend in the industry. So legendary. Even the seed became legendary. Rob Reiner out there hurting, but it's fine. They're all rich. Uh, a jerk, man. It's one of those ones where it's like, you show to some people, and I don't, I don't get this out. Mm -hmm. yeah. But for some people, it's, it's gold. Yeah, It's good stuff. Uh, Carl Reiner writing it, I believe, with C. Martin, also directing it. Uh, did a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, most recently being most well known as Saul Bloom in the Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 movies. Maybe yep. his, his last pretty much movies. Pretty much. And, At least as an actor. And, uh, yeah. Long, long, illustrious career. And uh, Rest in Paradise. Let me see here. Uh, internet stuff. Cinemacrestbeast.gmail.com. You can email us or read on the show. We didn't get any emails this week. Cinemacrestbeast. So Facebook group. Join us. Uh, there we have a good time. Crespiso's on Twitter. Cinema Crespiso Instagram. PFTmedia.com. Patreon. <clears throat> Go to patreon.com slash Crespiso. Sign up. Give us money. So we need it. Uh, our things are breaking. <laughs> we, we, had, we did the first half of the episode with no headphones. Hope we sounded okay. <laughs> Think our things are breaking, guys. Uh, sign up for the show. Anywhere from a dollar to five dollars a month gets you access to everything we've done. Uh, we've done over a hundred bonus episodes so far, and we have another like nine in the can ready to come out, scheduled to come out. So you have guaranteed entertainment for hours on end. Sign up today. Do it. And have a good time. Let's get into all these news stories. Drew. I have a whole bunch of stories. Uh, Amazon dropped a cryptic teaser for a new show. Saw that, but. But people like you will know exactly what it is. Dude, the, the, the second I saw the please wait, I was just like, <laughs> fucking what? Yes. <laughs> like, every time, like, ever since I was in middle school, like, mm -hmm. every time I've seen that logo anywhere, and it means there's a new Fallout something it's a new happening. Fallout something. <laughs> well, apparently we got a Fallout TV show, Amazon series. You know who's the, who the showrunners are, Chris? Showrunners happen to be... The people from Westworld. Yes, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy. <laughs> so, well, it, it gives me... Uh, it, I have some reservations, obviously, because this series is kind of dear to me. Yes. Um, but with those two running it, and the way that they do Westworld, mm -hmm. and the stories that they tell, mm -hmm. and the world that they create, mm -hmm. I think it's in good hands. You feel, you feel confident about it? I do, just sure. as long as they... It's going to have to be dark, and it's going to have to be satire as well, but dark. Like, yes. Really dark humor. Like, well, the stuff that you are laughing at in this show, you yeah. shouldn't feel comfortable laughing at, but God, it's just so funny. So for people <laughs> who don't know, the fall, titular fallout is nuclear... post Post-nuclear post apocalypse. It's, it's pronounced... Nuclear. Nuclear. No, it's nuclear. Listen, the S is silent. <laughs> I, I'm mixing up Simpsons Family Guy jokes. And I'm pretty sure that's blasphemy. Mm -hmm. Sorry, guys. It's that, fine. That's my bad. Um, But it has a... So it's in a future, a post-apocalyptic future, but with a like 1940s aesthetic. Yeah, 19... Exactly. So 40s, th 50s. Think 40s future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love retro future. Yes, retro so, future. So it's, it's retro future, and also uh, the the reason why post -ap uh, apocalypse uh, China invaded the United States. So, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna want to. <laughs> they're they're gonna want to change that. Um, according to Variety, Lisa Joy, John, and Nolan intend to keep the games like you said delicate. 
gets a balance of seriousness and ironic humor. Um, this article points out one example would be the plots that often revolve around the power struggle of survival groups to maintain order and govern their respective lands, but also has a handheld weapon in which players can launch a mini nuke yeah. called Fat Man. Exactly. <laughs> Fat people. Yes. Yes, you can. Yeah. And a tiny little mushroom cloud goes over there. Like, the, like, it's like, like a little... Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> just, just like you would think in a video game. It's just, it's just a little boom, mushroom yeah. cloud, and everybody's dead. <laughs> that's, that's very funny. Uh, so well, f- f- Fallout tweeted, hashtag, please stand by with the uh, teaser. And uh, I have a feeling... Ah, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I know... I have a feeling... I know what the... Like, the mystery tie-through mm-hmm. that they're going to be... Because... Because he played so much, you know... Well, yeah, you, but, you but, the but, the, but these people... like. Knowing the showrunners and the type of show that they've already made, <clears throat> bringing that into Fallout, I, I know what, like, the overarching, like, weird mystery it's going to have to do with Vault-Tec. You, so you know what what they're going to be drawn to based on Westworld, and that's going to be the, the through line. Yeah, the through line is going to be the Vault-Tec stuff, because, yes, Vault-Tec was a company that made the vaults to save all of humanity, Yeah, but a lot of the... but but. It was all made by the old governments, so mm-hmm. a lot of them were social experiments as well, mm-hmm. unbeknownst to the people living in them. Uh, so, yeah. like, in one of the Fallout series, you come across a vault, you know, and you go in there, and it's filled with clones. It's all the same guy who've been living, clones of the same guy who've been living together in this vault for, you know, a hundred years. Wow. <laughs> so you can just imagine the insanity that you come across. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that would be crazy. So you do that, and you, you know, you mix in, gene- you know, any sort of sci-fi genetic experiment, you know, genetic experiments, mm-hmm. uh, weird weapons, mutations, mm-hmm. any, any sort of that stuff, stuff like that was going on in the vault. So, ha- you know, you'll be seeing a lot of that stuff. So it sounds like we have a, a, a rich, imaginative... Oh, like game history to this draw game, from for a weird show. The universe has been alive and well since the early nineties. I didn't know it went back that far. Yeah. Didn't they just put out Fallout Three? So yeah, <laughs> so you have Fallout. Yeah. The post nuclear apocalyptic game. Uh after that Oh man. Cause there were three of them on the computer that were top down kind of. Mm-hmm. Fallout Like OG Postal? Yeah. Um like the Sims type of thing, exactly. You, you get a big, uh, a big overview. Yeah, it's like your god. So most of them were that. Uh, so that would be Fallout. Blah uh, blah 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 blah. Here we go. So yeah, Fallout was ninety seven. Okay. Uh, and then Fallout two ninety eight. Th- those two were top down. Okay. After that, they did uh, Fallout Tactics, which was the same thing, but it was more. It was more like a, strate- a strategic and a tactical combat game than it was like exploration and RPG. Like a command and conquer? Yeah, or... more. Okay. It was more like that. Yeah. Um, and then... Strategy based. And then Fallout 3 came out. Fallout 3 was the first time... And what year was that? The, uh, 2008. That's a pretty big jump between 1 and 2 and 3. Yeah. 98 into 2008. Yeah, it's a big jump. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, that was the first time Bethesda and everything started looking, you know... Where it was more third person action or yes. first person kind of like took Skyrim the, and stuff the GTA like that. Model. Yes. Like, oh man. Well, no, more more of like the a, a mixture. Well, no, of GTA GTA. Is, GTA is third person. Yeah, it was it was a mixture because you can yeah. do third person or first person. That's true. So, yeah. and then after Fallout Three was Fallout New Vegas. Yes. And then Fallout Four. 
Okay, so Vegas isn't even four. Yeah. It's like a 3.5. Yes. Interesting. So they've been cranking out games since 97. Yeah, and, we, and, we, and we've and we gone Shit. all over the world. I mean, uh, the original Fallout, you start out in the West. Okay. Uh, and the, the basis of that game is you start off as like, you're just like a tribal, you know, post-apocalyptic, you're like a tribal village. And okay. you go out and then you find this whole world. You, you come to realize that there was you know, a past and yeah. that they were more advanced and mm-hmm. then there are still remnants of that past mm-hmm. and this, that, the other. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting into different versions of it. I mean, there are fucking factions left and right. Some of them have massive technology. Like there are, there are some parts that never were really affected by the apocalypse. Yeah. You know, they've still just been cranking out everything since but like be- nothing ever changed. But because inner, inner community travel has been cut down a lot. Of people don't know more in isolation. Yeah. So Interesting. it's, uh, it's really interesting. It should be, you know, a, a nice new fun sci-fi genre to bump into. It does sound like fun. Um, so you got that, and you have uh, Last of Us coming on HBO. Okay. So we got a few new that's video game. World, yes, you know? fucked up video game uh, TV shows. Look forward to that's for sure. Um, okay, let's talk about Taika Waititi. He's got his own production company, mm-hmm. of course, right? It's called Peaky Films. They've already been making uh, producing films for a while. Um, but they have three new movies that they're producing, and they all sound interesting. There's an adaptation of a novel called The Imaginary Lives of James Poniki. It tells the story of a Maori teenager in the 1840s who travels to London to appear as a live exhibit amongst mm-hmm. artifacts. He initially enjoys the attention and hedonism of London, but soon discovers he can't get past being labeled as a savage. So that's the first of three movies. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, it's got a comedy called Down the Rabbit Hole, and it started as Angela Dravid's stand-up comedy show. Okay. It tells her true story of running away to marry a man three times her age on the other side of the world before landing in a female prison in the UK. <coughs> Interesting. Oh, all right. That sounds good. And finally, they're producing a crime series called Better the Blood. It follows an obsessive Maori detective as she hunts down an indigenous serial killer, revenging the wrongs of New Zealand's colonizers. That sounds dope. I'm in. It's like, a, it's like a, I agree with who you're killing, but you can't be killing these guys. <laughs> Come I mean, on. I, I understand your reasoning behind it, <laughs> and but I, what you're yeah. and, and, and I, I'm I, and I agree support, with that reasoning. And I, and I kind of support what you in a way. But what you're doing is illegal. You can't do. I got. I gotta stop you. <laughs> yeah, sounds fun. Would you consider writing a letter? <laughs> so uh, that's cool. Scene. Um, uh, we got a rundown here where we got Peaky Films has produced his own Hunt for the Wilder People. Okay. Uh, which only made $23 million worldwide. Also produced The Breaker Upperers, $2.9 million worldwide. Uh, but still, uh, keeping them afloat, they were a producer on Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. That's a $90 million take. Uh, so Taika was using some of his haul, some of his, uh, not his, uh, his clout mm-hmm. that he has to help other people, help other voices. That's very cool. And that's why you need, like, a half Maori filmmaker in Hollywood with success because then he can elevate other Maori voices, right? Come mm-hmm. on, I'm so sick of all these white stories. Although, I mean, Zodiac was great. That's a white story. That's a classic white American story. Mm-hmm. Zodiac killer. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fascinating. 
But then again, you know, I mean, you get, I mean, in all reality, though, any, I mean, David Fincher could have made a fucking movie about Walt Disney, I mean, and it would have been dark yeah. and twisted, and been like, oh my fucking god. Yeah, if he made Saving <laughs> Mr. Banks, I would have seen that shit. <laughs> See, so it's got really, I mean, yes, Zodiac's an interesting story, but it really, it's all about David Fincher. <laughs> um, this is a weird story I broke this week. So, you know, uh, quarantine pandemic programming, like, uh. The best version of it is probably this reunited apart show. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. People say, or things of that nature. Yes, people stay at home doing all their shit from home. <laughs> uh, Hot ones has gone remote. Oh, okay, they, that they, could be fun. They apparently they send the sauces to the people. Yeah, and they just do it, do it themselves. I saved. I haven't watched yet, but I saved the Brie Larson one. So dudes at his home. Brie Larson's in her living room. She has the sauces in front of her. She's like crying. Like, oh. I'm like, this is going to be good. So they're all suffering from the comfort of their own home, which is great because then they can go right to the toilet. Yeah, and exactly. Get that butt pain just going right away. They got to wait for the capsaicin to get there. That's a bummer. It's the wait that sucks. Yep. It's like 12 Knowing. hours later. Yep. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> like, this is going to burn. When you wake up in the morning, like, oh, no. Hot, 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 hot. This is it. My butt is on fire. This is it. Um. So Anne Hathaway... Uh, part of the Variety's Actors on Actors series where they have people interviewing yeah. each other. They did one where now people are at home interviewing each other. So they had Anne Hathaway and uh, Hugh Jackman, co-stars of Les Mis. Yep. Talk about... Both song and dance people. Both song and dance people. Talk about all sorts of stuff. Anne Hathaway, they talked about for a while um, habits of like successful directors that they worked for. So Anne Hathaway mentions because she did Dark Knight Rises and Interstellar. Yep. She said, Christopher Nolan does not allow chairs on set. No chairs. Uh, her, if he, if uh, he feels if you got a chair, that means you're sitting down, you're not paying attention, you're not working. That was like the whole thing. She didn't really get too into no. detail. It was a throwaway comment in a longer conversation. People picked up on that, went crazy on the internet, accusing Christopher Nolan of being mm-hmm. ableist, because like, how can you not have chairs for your crew? They're forcing people to stand at all the time. What about people who can't? They need time to I'm sit I'm sure it's not that type of no chairs. Oh, like, my God, Drew. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are still chairs. It's just he's like, one of the, listen. Yeah. Come on, guys. Just no. Be working. You're right. You're 100 percent right. You're fucking. You're fucking tired. You've been up for 12 hours. Whatever. Go sit down. No. <laughs> His sets are lousy with chairs. Chairs are everywhere. Um, the no chair rule only. There is a no chair rule. It only applies to principal actors in a scene and producers. It's fine. He doesn't want four or five producers just sitting there sitting fucking there. jacking on their phones just yes. like well I'm fucking here and yeah and then second guessing him uh, every now and then because they're not paying attention to something it, it's only for the main people who quite frankly are all getting paid the most money yeah uh, and he applies to if he got time to lean, he got, got time, time to, to clean. clean mentality to them and them only everyone else do your job it's fun he's mm-hmm. not he's not a fucking psychopath uh, so then Hathaway had to come on and be like, no, it's only for actors. Other people were tweeting like, no, here's me sitting in my chair. I'm a, I'm a grip guy. It's ridiculous. Um, oh, and then also, uh, this actually makes sense too, and I believe in this in here for recording podcast. Barry Keegan, who's in Dunkirk, mm-hmm. says no water bottles on set. Yeah. And that's because it become toys. People just crinkling them all the time and making well, And they get left places. On, in scenes. Game of Thrones. Right? <laughs> Water bottles and coffee cups and shit. That's what I'm saying. They gotta go back and see shit. <laughs> and people are like, it was a Starbucks. Uh, they paid for them to do that. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, we forgot. They, they were very tired. <laughs> They'd been working long hours. 13. No one was paying attention. It's a 13 hour day. <laughs> no one wants to call Amelia Clark. It was right in front of her. No one wants to call her around for having her coffee cup there. No, it's fine. It's fine. We fixed it. Um. Okay. 
why, why did I pull the story? Oh, Dune. Frank Herbert's Dune, Drew, mm-hmm. is now number one on the current Washington Post mass market paperback bestseller list. Well, yeah, because... 50 years after it came out. Fucking every time there is a new big version of... Of some classic book. Some classic book that's been made into a movie or... I mean, it happens every time. Every time there's a new Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man comics sell. Every time there's yep. a new X-Men movie, X-Men, X-Men books sell. Yep. Every time there's a new... It's the way it works. That is the Pe- way it works. People want to know what they're getting into. And according to... Uh, this is all from Brian Herbert, his son. Yes, it's all well. That and also it, it opens it up to people to be like, oh yeah, I wanted to read that. And if you're and if you're like me too, you want to buy the book now before it gets that stupid sticker on it. This is now a fucking movie. I hate the, hate that shit. The, sticker, <laughs> the sticker's bad. What's worse is the or they uh, change the book the, cover. Yeah, the cover itself. Oh, all of a sudden you have like fucking Sylvester like, Stallone's it, it, on the cover. Well, no, it, 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 Frank Herbert's Dune, and you've got fucking Sting staring at yeah. you, and it's like Sting's no. Like, <laughs> and then and, and Sting's like, what if I wrote it? <laughs> I wrote the screenplay. I said no. Um, apparently, Dune, the graphic novel, book one, is in the top ten Ooh, on publishers. Graphic novel, yeah, it's publisher weekly list of upcoming fall twenty twenty adult titles. So, do you know? Who, man, I want to know who's doing it. Let's see. It says uh, I could probably click on this right here and get you that information. Uh, Frank Herbert's Dune, adapted by Brian Herbert, his son, and Kevin J. Anderson, illustrated by Raul Allen and Patricia Martin. I never heard of any of those people, so I mean, the front, the doesn't front, mean it's not good. No, it's it's Dune, and the front of that says, "Now a major motion picture." <sighs> uh, but that's coming out this uh, in a couple months here this fall. So there we go. So yeah, Dune. Dune is. Um, people's reading list. That's very cool. Um, all right, so J.K. Rowling has got herself in all sorts of hot water with her with her fan base, her community. Uh, for whatever reason, she has just made it her now life's mission. That's not her life's mission, but she just can't not talk about transgender women in a way that angers transgender and the LGBTQA plus community. So Man, she, I think I got all the letters she, right. She can't just keep her mouth shut? She can't just be a rich white woman and keep her mouth shut and just be revered forever for writing books. All, all you had to do was shut up. All you had to do was shut up and be popular. But no, she's like all these other people that if people aren't talking about her or or they like they need to hear my opinions on everything like so she has to chime in she can't just be beloved she has to fuck that up so she uh, doubles down and all this stuff about how she's just so like um on the gender is a binary structure women who menstruate type of thing and uh, like daniel radcliffe had to come out and be like yo Trans women are women, trans men are men. I mean, you... Like, non-binary genders exist. Hell, all these actors have to come out. First <laughs> off, you have to make the distinction between gender and sex. Yeah. Yeah, people already conflate those anyway. <laughs> like, there is there is a difference. Yeah. Like, and you, one does not dictate the other. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't. Exactly. She's not into this I stuff mean, yes, there reason. are... But, Genetically, yes. Well, there. I mean, even genetically, it's not binary. There are things called hermaphrodites. Yeah. So correct. Correct. Fuck off. We're talking. About how many chromosomes are there? It only takes a little bit for a chromosome to just be a little, and then all of a sudden, yeah. it's not a binary thing anymore. And then what, don't understand what, what do you call dudes with micro penises or girls with clits the size of my fucking thumb? Like, uh, one of her name was Joni Laura. So you know, most people knew her as China. <laughs> I think that was a steroid thing too. Though. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Yes, but you're right. No, no, it's it's, it's ridiculous. So then there's this whole thing where uh, Stephen King made a comment on Twitter about um, trans people, and J.K. Rowling took that as like, ah, see, he's on my side, Duh. right? And 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 tweeted praise of him and said, you're amazing, thank you. And then he had to clarify. He was like, like, no, no, no. Was like, no, no, no. <laughs> trans women are women. And she deleted her tweet, uh, and then straight up blocked Stephen King on Twitter. So as to not have to deal with anything, yep. not have to deal with mm-hmm. any of the fallout from yep. a mistake. Um, so yeah, yeah. So everyone, mm-hmm. rest assured, Stephen King, he's an ally. Mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling is fucking up. <clears throat> oh, and then so she has her huge fandom. Mm-hmm. She has her the cottage industry that is mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling. Yes, it's not just Harry Potter anymore. It's Fantastic Beasts, and it's like these two or three other books that she's written that people really like. So. Um, one of the main, I think it's the Pottermore, the main websites that have all covered this stuff and have made careers themselves out of J.K. Rowling fandom, they've had to put out statements and be like, we, from the future, from now on, we're going to cover all things Harry Potter. We're going to cover things in the world that she creates. If she creates something, we'll cover that. But we're going to keep now, we have to keep her personal stuff away from this. They took down her pictures from the websites and everything. They are now having to find a way to separate the art that they like so much from the very real and living artist who's still creating some of that art, who also has some very... Uh, um, outdated views. Some outdated that people like so um the right loves seeing that kind of shit because they see it as because uh, they saw her as a culture warrior uh so it's like oh the, they're eating their own it's what they always do blah blah but she's just like man some people do backflips to land on the wrong side of history no. trying as hard as they can <laughs> <laughs> trying as hard as they can um you were giving me shit off mic for not having all of my turtles from, from when yeah. I was a kid. I call, I, I, you I, call, I, me, I think, call me like a turtle bigot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know, but actually, I'm pretty sure what I said, you're a turtle color racist. T- you were t- t- a colorist. Yes. You were a turtle colorist. You were only into the primary colors, only red and blue. No I'm, mixing of colors. You were a color purist. Color purist because all I have is two Raphaels yes. and a Leonardo. Exactly. There's no orange and there's no purple, which are the mixed colors. Chris, I, you're a color purist. Yeah. That is, man, that's well, not good. first off, I do like primary colors. Mix those colors, bro. I like my primaries. They're so beautiful. I like my primaries. But, no, no, I, but when you mix them, they're so much beautiful. I don't have it. So beautiful. I don't, I don't have it. I don't have, my old, I don't have my old toys, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> it sucks. I wish I did, Drew. I'm, I'm just saying. I wish I did, Drew. You're a fucking turtle colorist. But I don't. Um, but I bring up the turtles because the turtles are coming back in movie form. Once again, <sighs> according to a Deadline. But you may like this one, Drew. Can you we, may like this one. Can we just let the turtles, like... Die for no, a little while. No, they're way too popular. They're popular on TV still. There's, there's still so much of a cultural force to to not figure out a truly successful film so franchise. So we're, so we're just gonna keep beating the dead horse. We're gonna beat this dead horse. Now we're going back, Drew Cogburn, uh, to animated. Okay. Because Platinum Dunes, they they're no longer involved. Good. Right. Yeah. That was the worst thing that could have happened to the franchise. The these. These ugly live action CG turtles, kiss them goodbye. Good. Gonzo. They were weird. Going back to animated. CG reboot. It's Nickelodeon. Okay, so it's going to be for kids. Teaming up with Point Grey Pictures. Point Grey Pictures is Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg's production company. Okay. So they are producing. The new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So Michelangelo is going to be a stoner. 
he's going to have... Uh, they're going <laughs> to allude to it for sure. Now he's going to be like the kids' version of the stoner. Yes. Yes. It's, he's going to be... He's going to be like Shaggy. Shaggy. Yes. There you go. Um, Gravity Falls... Jeff Rowe has been tapped to direct. Okay. So it'll be, I mean, it'll be, so it'll, it will be for kids, but at least it'll be wacky and mm. there still will be an adult enough story to warrant the parents watching it. It's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's, uh, I mean, it's being made by people in our age range, yeah. people who grew up the same way we grew up with it. Um, like I said, it just, it, and it's being made by people who have a track record of things that we like. It just it, it all depends on you know the tone that they take with the turtles. Absolutely, it's, and if it's too much, and, for, and there's a wide range that you can choose from. Yeah, no, exactly. So yeah. you're right, hundred percent. What do they do? How are they going to do it? And that's what that can screw up so easily. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, Rogan Goldberg producing at least executive producing. And if it's this guy who uh, with the Gravity Falls background, I, it's what, got potential. When I saw the headline, I was like, "He's like, come on, man, what are we doing this for again?" And then I read the deets, and I was like, "Oh, you know what?" I mean, if you if you want to get the best animated Turtles reboot, mm-hmm. give it to Gendy Tartakovsky. That'd be fun, right? Yeah, he's great. <sighs> but he's rolling around that Hotel Transylvania money. He doesn't. Oh your, fuck yeah! He doesn't need your Turtles anymore. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But it could be a ho- he, maybe, he's, he's at home drawing private could, samurai jack like manga cartoons for himself, or ma- or making news. I mean, did you uh, did you see Primal? That's no, on HBO no, Max. I haven't watched that one yet. Yeah, as well because the adult, it's on, adult swim uh, stuff. Adult swim, right? Yeah, yeah I should watch you should. That. You should. It's fucking. It is good. Yeah. It, it, it's uh, instead of a boy and a do- in his dog, it's a boy and his dinosaur. Which is, uh, I love dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, how about a caveman riding a T-Rex, both of them murdering the fuck out of everything? Yeah, see, that sounds fun. <laughs> I'm in. That sounds fun. I'm sold, dude. Say no more. Speaking of dinosaurs, Terminator. Mackenzie mm-hmm. uh, Davis mm-hmm. was the uh, yep. the lead of Terminator Dark Fate. Someone asked her about the future of the Terminator franchise. She's not going to be a part of it. She says... <laughs> I really love the movie, and I'm so proud of what we did. Parentheses. I know it was a turd. Close parentheses. That's yeah. when someone says that. No, exactly. Yeah. They're admitting. Look, I know it was bad. Well, and but so, I was so proud of what we did. In all reality, her work in the movie was fine. Yeah, she was fine. And the action in the movie was fine. It was fine. It was just, everything else around it that was garbage. Yeah, it's just like, eh, well, why are we, do, why are we doing this <laughs> no, again? Exactly. That is, put it to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, please, guys. Put it to bed. And that's what she's saying here. There wasn't a demand for it at the box office. And to think that there'd be a demand for a seventh film is quite insane. You should just pay attention to what audiences want. And they want new things. And I want new things. Uh, So she goes on to officially say that. Not goes on, but as you can tell, she says that the... um, a seventh Terminator movie would be insane. To yeah, do right seriously, now. I mean, if you 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 want to have some fun with Terminator, let's go the uh, Aliens and Predator route with it. Mash it up with something. Start, let's finally get Terminator Robocop, yeah. Chris. Let's fucking do it. I'm into let's, it. Let's get some crazy, hyper violent B slash A minus movie. Just, just <laughs> Frank Miller did it in the early '90s, I think. Terminator v Robocop, four part series four uh, four issues just so it's just a little mini run just adapt that yeah. it involves time travel skynet robocop's the key <laughs> i mean that's great come on guys people would fucking flock for yeah, that shit they would they would it'd be really great um that really is your only option yeah. at this point um uh, 
this made big news right after this. Is, I saw this online right after you sent it to me, Drew. That Midsummer Director's Cut yeah. coming the Blu-ray. Yep. Uh, originally, it was an A24 Apple Plus exclusive for about the last year or so. Yeah. If you want to see this Director's Cut, you had to be on Apple Apple TV. Um, A24 has their deal with them. But now, I guess their deal for that specific thing, they have a, they had a window. The window's closed. At the end of July, A24 will be shipping 4K and standard Blu-ray Director's Cuts of Midsummer. 171 minutes. It's going to be long. Boy, oh boy. But it's got some great packaging, uh, artwork, and a written forward from Martin Scorsese. Who's a fan? I got a fucking email from A24 about it. And I clicked on the email and I was like, Chris must know. Yeah. (laughs) And then he said it's me and then I bought it. (laughs) So that's why, like I told you, that's why I don't have any savings because I make rash decisions. But in a few weeks, I'll be happy when yeah, you get it. And so will I, because then I get to watch it. I'll be like, Drew, come over. <laughs> it's here. It's here. Oh, I got my Blu-ray player. We're ready to go. So uh, this will be, my, I guess, my one DVD purchase of the year. I buy like a DVD a year. Oh, this is, wor- yeah, this is totally worth it. This year will be Midsummer. Last year, did I even buy one last year? Two years ago, it was Mandy. <laughs> year before that, was Blood, Blade, Blade Runner Blade 2049. Runner, yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Man, I used to buy like two movies a week. <laughs> Like, oh shit, I got paid. Time to go to Best Buy. <laughs> Don't you mean the public's no? No. <laughs> no, I'm in Best Buy. I'm going to Best Buy. Um, speaking of Martin Scorsese. What about him? Him and Quentin Tarantino have uh, an interesting commonality when making movies. Okay. Empire did a whole bunch of reader questions for Quentin Tarantino. And uh, he had this to say. It's funny, the first time I met Scorsese, we talked about this. I was in Vegas when he was doing Casino, and I got invited to the set on a Thursday. They mentioned at the production office that they were having an Anthony Mann double feature on 16mm that Saturday, Raw Deal and T-Men or something. And I go to Scorsese, oh wow, you're going? And he says, no, no, I can't. Why not? He said, I can't watch anything that good. When I'm making a movie, I can watch Antonio Margaretti all day, but I can't watch an Anthony Mann movie. And that's where I kind of find myself, too. Well, when, I'm, when I was making Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I got into a big kick on 70s TV movies. And I had about three or four friends on the crew watching them all with me. I also got into a Darren McGavin kick, where I wanted to watch episodes that he gets on. Semantics, Man from Uncle, Mission Impossible, that kind of stuff. I didn't have to pay too much attention, but still enjoyed it. That's not to say I didn't love them, but they were a step back, close quote. So they will watch stuff while they're making movies but they can't watch anything good no like I can't I can't uh, intimidate myself with all this great art yeah exactly you, you go and you watch one of those movies and you go back to work the next day and you're like I can't fucking do that, that that's very funny like I can't how am I I yeah. just how I, am I supposed to and now I have to make, <laughs> I have to make this thing that Fuck! I'm making my thing is worse it's interesting that they both, these masters of cinema and they have these opinions of themselves like well I can't intimidate myself meanwhile um I'm pretty sure it's Steven Soderbergh. When he's making a movie, every Sunday, he watches Goodfellas. Every Sunday. He's like, I need to be inspired on how to make a perfect movie. Uh, so for him, it's the opposite. He allows it to, to make him feel like, this is what I want to do. Um, I find it cool when directors do that. When they're like, I want to show my crew movies. This is like the mood that we're going for. I want you guys to know what I'm going for. Nolan does that. Mm-hmm. Typically, apparently he didn't do a Tenet, but he shows him his crew like a... Bond movies before 
Dark Knight, he showed everyone heat. It's like, guys, we're making heat. Here we go. But with Batman. Yeah, we're, <laughs> guys, we're just remaking this movie and we're not paying anyone for it. <laughs> we're just we're just going to throw in Batman and we're going to hope nobody notices. Yeah. All right, let's go. And then the movie comes out and it's like, oh, everyone noticed. It's fine. <laughs> they like it. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, I think it's cool when they do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, China. Or as Trump says, China. Mm-hmm. Is getting in on the George Miller business. Okay. George Miller, he is pre-prepping, pre-season, pre-pro on Mad Max Furiosa, but he has another project in the works. Um, 3,000 Years of Longing. Okay. Okay. That's a lot. That's a lot that's of longing. That's a lot of longing. A lot of longing. Now, imagine 3,000 Years of Longing between Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. Okay. All right. I'm in. Um... Sunak, Sunak, I don't know how it's said. Sunak China is a Beijing-based real estate giant. Okay. And they are producing, they're a property developer producing uh, George Miller's epic love story. All right. Um, They will distribute the film in China and participate in the worldwide box office revenue. Uh, MGM gets the North American distribution rights. All right. Uh, So it's been five years since Mad Max Fury Road. It's going to be another few years until we get another Mad Max movie. But in the meantime, he found a way to put together a project for something that sounds kind of weird. Yeah. It'll be shooting in Australia, London, and Istanbul, not Constantinople. Well, or is it Istanbul? Or is it Constantinople? Well, first it's Istanbul. Putting on the Ritz. But then it's Constantinople. Um, Su- Nobody knows what the Turks. Sunak is commonly cited as China's fourth largest private property developer. Uh, oh, in 2017, they bought a collection of Chinese theme parks and the Guangdao Oriental Movie Metropolis, a vast film studio complex with 40 state-of-the-art sound stages. They bought that from Dalian, Dalian Wanda Group, which filed political favor and was buried in debt. Man, China's got that money. <laughs> well, I mean, as long as you're doing it with the government. As long as you're doing it in a Chinese proper way. Then yeah, you get that, and then you're good to go. Yeah. yeah. Well, whatever happened to Dalian Wanda? They're like nobody. Oh uh, yeah, no, they're probably in you, some sort of reeducation yeah, camp. You, you guys don't fucked up. No, they're probably getting reeducated as we speak. Yeah, with all the uh, the we the Uyghurs. Uyghurs. Oh yeah. boy, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. Um, speaking of bad, 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 bad. Ray Fisher, he played Cyborg in the. Uh, Batman, Batman v Superman: Colon Dawn of Justice. B- BVSDOJ. BVSDOJ, uh, which has some sort of Ultimate Edition now available I on, uh, I on HBO Max. I, I was just looking about like, what's Ultimate about it? Like, what are we adding? I think it's just more nightmare stuff. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Do I really want to? Really, really want to? Do I really? Batman has a mustache. Batman has a mustache. We, 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 we put his lips that. back. I would watch <laughs> that. We we put his lips back. I would watch. They're the not mustache. weird. I'd watch the mustache cut. Release the mustache. <laughs> um, Ray Fisher decided uh, he's had enough with being nice about Josh Whedon. He tweets, Josh Whedon's onset treatment of the cast and crew of Justice League was gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. He was enabled in many ways by Jeff Johns and John Berg. Accountability is greater than entertainment. Um, and then he retweeted uh, tweeted a video of him at Comic-Con that year. Talking, oh, yeah, it was great work with Josh Whedon, blah, blah, blah. And he uh, commented, I forcibly retract this entire statement. 
So, uh, not not liking, not a fan of Josh Whedon. I mean, the motherfucker makes so much money. I, don't, I mean, hopefully, if the allegations are true, something will be done about it. But chances are, it won't. At this point, nah. Nothing's really going to happen about it. Um... Alan Tudyk, he of the Tudyks, mm-hmm. he retweeted Variety's initial tweet. Ray Fisher accuses Joss Whedon. He says, wasn't there, but I have known Joss for 17 years. I honestly can't even imagine it. And I have a pretty good imagination. So, uh, I mean, yeah, he's, the man's got two dicks. He's got an imagination of two dicks. Yeah, so, uh, and of course, why would Joss Whedon treat uh, a, a fellow white man with two dicks uh, poorly? Yeah. He gets the best Joss Whedon. Why can't he imagine that Ray Fisher got the worst Joss Whedon? Why can't he imagine another Joss Whedon? You know, I've known you now for over 17 years, 20 years. Yeah. If someone was like, oh, Drew, he treated me like shit. I'm like, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. He's nice to me, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he could probably be a dick to you. Yeah, easily. He's got that. He's got that bone. Um, use your imagination, guys. I could be mean to someone. No, if you be mean to someone, who could I be mean to? Um, see, I don't mean to meet people with lower status than me. I can be mean to podcasters. They're easy to be mean to. They're not humans. <laughs> A bunch of uh, ego, ego hungry uh, uh, jerks who are. See, even then, I'm, not, I'm feeling. Yep. Good job, Chris. <sighs> Way to be nice. God, I'm such an idiot. The tax collector. You hear about this? Uh, yes. Shia LaBeouf's uh, movie with David Ayer. I saw the trailer. Uh, I didn't watch the trailer. I'm like, screw it. I'll just wait till it, it, it eventually comes out. Seriously? I'm sure it's just a David Ayer movie, right? Just a ma- Just. It's a David Ayer movie with Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf has tattoos. That's all you need to know. Yeah, he has tattoos. <laughs> he tattooed Creeper on his stomach because he plays a guy named Creeper, and now that's in his life forever. Yep. Uh, Poor but, decisions, but okay. Hey, we're talking about the guy who pulled out his own teeth yeah. and and cut his own face for fury. He still has a facial scar. Yeah. Um, he got a bunch of tattoos on uh, American Honey, mm-hmm. but the director hated that because I was going to ruin her... Uh, Conti- continuity between scenes because he was doing it while they're shooting. Mm-hmm. At least for Creeper, he shows up with the, the all the tattoos. Um, but he plays a guy who uh, they're collectors for uh, a crime lord known as Wizard. It's their job to collect Wizards Cut of the Profits. Uh, Yearns like named the devil, the Creeper, and uh, shit goes bad. Oh, because a rival shows up from Mexico. You know, them damn dirty mm-hmm. Mexicans. Yeah. Uh, you know, David Ayer makes uh, tough, crazy movies. Sabotage was a disappointment. Sabotage was a disappointment. So was... End of Times uh, good. Uh, did he do Hard Times with Christian Bale? Harsh Times. Harsh Times? Yeah, that, that one was okay. That one was exactly... That That one was okay as well. Yeah. Just was, okay. That was okay. That one was like between and End of Watch. That was between End of Watch and... Um, and uh, in quality wise, and no, Fury, I feel like is one of his better ones. Oh, well, I mean, Fury's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, Fury is, is actually quite good. Um, and down the opposite of Fury, a Suicide Squad. Mm. It's like, oh boy, oh boy, mm-hmm. oh boy. So we'll see where this one lands. I mean, the trailer look. I mean, trailer looks like your standard David Ayer movie. Sure. So a lot of a lot of tough guys being tough and violent yep. and uh, tattoos and yep. plans that go wrong. Yep. So you know, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll, I'll see a David Ayer movie. Yeah. Um, unless it's bright too, don't do it. Yeah, no, that was, that was bad. That was bad, bad. Um, uh, 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 what's her name? Paris Jackson, daughter of Michael, mm-hmm. who not really, not genetic, right? No, one of the. Uh, I'm pretty sure she was one of the adopted ones. Right, an adopted kid. Yeah, yeah, looks nothing like him. 
Uh, grew up into a, a beautiful young woman, 22-year-old Paris Jackson, uh, get into acting now. And uh, she's going to be in a movie called Habit, which is already getting a petition to block from coming out. All right. The petition is from a Catholic group. Okay. It's on change.org. That's 300,000 signatures. Well, That's, Catholics. I mean, it took like a week for uh, a similar a petition on change.org for uh, Attorney General Barr to resign at like 300,000. And these people got it right away I'm, for I'm, this movie. I'm sure there is a very large, very tight-knit online Catholic community. Probably. For shit like this. I'm pretty sure it's Catholic. So I'm double-checking here. But anyway, it is some sort of... Uh, religious faction. Religious faction. Characterizing the film as, I love me some Christian exploitation. This is even better. Christianophobic. Ooh. Now they're describing it. Now, now I want to see it. Yeah, now I'm into it. That's the thing. With these kind of petitions, now I'm like, now, now it's on my radar. <laughs> this movie would have come and gone without me giving a Even fuck. Even knowing. Now I want it. They're calling habit offensive and disgusting. Uh, keep in mind. No, I really want to see it. Keep in mind movies. Not really see it. No one's seen it. <laughs> uh-huh. And it, and and it, and this is all probably from the same people who were like, I love Passion of the Christ. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Ugh, that violent. That, that <laughs> fucking snuff film. <laughs> People jerking off in the theater. Oh my <laughs> lord! He saved me. I will film. I feel you inside me, Lord. Yeah. All, 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 all. What? I figured Jesus is probably six, six and a half inches, maybe. A little, little rabbit. Maybe he's got, maybe he's walking around. What if Jesus walk walk around with a hog? What if Jesus is like a what if, what if a, nine, a nine and a half inch uh, pipe laying motherfucker? That's if, why Mary Magdalene was like, "Yeah, you get it for free." Jesus. What, or, or what if he had a micro penis and truly was like a virgin and uh, chaste and all those things? He was asexual, but he was so angry though. That incels, oh, man. Micro micro penis. <laughs> Maybe Jesus had a micro penis. Maybe Jesus just had a big old clit. Maybe he was intersex. Assuming he was even a person, or at least a real one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of assumptions here, Chris. We're, we're, we're going down. We're going down a lot of assumptions here. Well, this one assumes what if Jesus was a, a, a lesbian lady, but in modern days. So yeah. The movie follows a party girl with a Jesus fetish. She gets mixed up in a drug deal that goes violent. Party girl will be played by Bella Thorne. Uh, Bella Thorne, she's a Disney Ooh. Disney actress turned uh, porn director herself. Um, she will masquerade as a nun in order to get tied out of the situation, to get out of the situation. Paris Jackson's Jesus will be a lesbian woman with a nose ring. That's according to the petition. And um, and it's weird. So the movie is it's even find a distributor. It's an indie film, but the organizers are trying to block the deal from being made, specifically targeting Warner Brothers and Lionsgate, but without explaining why. Interesting. Um. So I hope this movie gets distribution and we all get to see it. I have a feeling it's not going to be very good. Oh, who cares? It's a lesbian Jesus, <laughs> played by Michael Jackson's adopted daughter. Come on. All right. This sounds weird as fuck. John Wick's director, Chad Stahelski, talks about the joy of seeing John Wick in theaters on the big screen. He says, quote, I've thought about that quite a bit. Oh, asking about making a Netflix movie because Extraction came out. Mm-hmm. So, hey, what, you want to make an action movie for Netflix? Stahelski. I thought about that quite a bit. That's a very viable option for most of us. My company has deals in projects with those folks now. At least now... 
I wouldn't choose a director's gig based on format. I'm going to read the script and ask myself, do I want to make this? I want to have fun. But as a viewer, I grew up with drive-ins and theaters. My romantic vision of what I do with storytelling and movies is on a big screen format. Like the first time I saw John Wick projected on the big screen, I almost shit myself. Yeah, this is pretty cool. So, uh, Stahesky wanted to be on the side of a big screen experience. Well, he says he likes the big screen, but at the same time, he said, if it was the right project, if it's on Netflix or not, if, if this is the project I want to do, it's, yeah. then I'm going to fucking do it. Which is the right take to... Yeah, no, exactly. Which is the right yeah. approach. Absolutely. Um, this is funny, too. Lessons learned after seeing John Wick on a big screen. The first John Wick. We had no money. We had to watch dailies and edit on a small TV. So the first time we saw it on a big screen, I really thought, wow, one, realize how many mistakes you made. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then two, you realize, wow, this is a really cool scene on the big screen. But that's the romantic, nostalgic thing I grew up with. Today, audiences are so used to streaming, sitting at home, being comfortable and stuff. So who knows what's going to happen? But again, I'm going to go with story and project first. Format is a follow-up. So, yeah, it's a smart thing to do. Um, for example, for Hempley, we just had the Cannes Film Festival was supposed to happen mm-hmm. just now during the summer. Obviously, it didn't happen. They did a virtual market instead where they set up online all the movies that were going to play. They had them uh, packages set up so distributors can see them and then get into bidding wars, virtual bidding wars. Will Smith has a movie called Emancipation that is a uh, uh, exactly what you think it sounds like Civil War era slavery like a freed slave action movie mm-hmm. alright uh, and Apple TV is out there spending that money Drew well they've got it because they got it they got the exclusive rights to Emancipation directed by Antoine Fuqua uh, Civil War drama Focuses on true life story of an escaped slave turned Union soldier. Uh, Apple TV spending that money, man. They got Greyhound coming out soon. The Tom Hanks yeah. World War II movie. And they're pulling up over $200 million for Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. With Leo DiCaprio. Uh, Emancipation. Rumored to be in the range of $130 million. Wow. Oh, they're banking on that fucking Will Smith name. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, probably, honestly, too, being in the moment. Here's a action drama action movie about free and slaves in a time where uh, the country's having a reckoning. Yeah. Oh, I believe we're having ourselves a reckoning. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so uh, back to streaming. Speaking of more streaming stuff, actually, we have a handful of streaming services stories here, Drew. For example, we got... Peacock. Mm-hmm. NBC. You know, you know about that Peacock coming? Mm-hmm. Starting up here in about 10 days, Peacock. Peacock is a free service, open to anyone, just got to watch commercials, right? But that they will also have a pay section, get rid of the commercials, and you get extra stuff, right? Okay. Um, Peacock, which is NBC Universal struck a deal with Paramount so now they're going to get Paramount movies on there like The Godfather Catch Me If You Can Towns of Mr. Ripley American Beauty they get shows like Ray Donovan The Affair Charmed 
Uh, and that's interesting because that means they struck a deal with it's NBC Universal, but they struck a deal with Viacom CBS to get these things on their on their service. Um, and then here's one of these things where we were talking about this earlier. Uh, limited exclusivity windows throughout 2021, 2022, and 2023. So things will be coming up and down for years and years in all these mm-hmm. services. And you'll be chasing around if you want to watch them. Uh, again, July 15th is the debut of that Peacock. Just another service. God damn it, Drew. Uh, Peacock Library will include originals like Brave New World. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh they did a, a psych movie, Psych 2. Okay. Because they already did a psych movie, apparently. It's called Psych 2, Lassie Come Home. That's... Well, it's sex comedy, yeah, so... That's, that's funny. I'm not even... I don't even know... What, I barely know psych. That's funny. It's a funny title. Um, Parks and Rec, 30 Rock, Cheers, Friday Night Lights, all those NBC shows will be available. Uh, I think it's... Yeah. $5 a month is for the premium... If you pay for premium, you get full access to everything. That's 15,000 hours of content, Drew. For comparison's sake, HBO Max, I looked it up. HBO Max, 10,000 hours of content. Uh, Apple TV, no, I, that one, that number wasn't available. Disney Plus, 4,000 hours of content. So, I mean, it all depends on what that content is. Yeah, not- how much of it there is. Yeah, yeah. Give me 15,000 hours of, uh, like, Swedish slow TV. There's only so many uh, train rides through a fjord I can watch mm-hmm. before I'm like, all right, come on. Where's that Kaloopy at? Kaloopy's gone. I know. <laughs> Where am I going to get my dance of bikini girls? Online. Those bikinis keep falling off. <laughs> you want the bikinis and, to stay and on. Then, and then they're sucking dicks. <laughs> you want the bikinis to stay on and I no want, dicks. I want sex-free sexy videos <laughs> like what is this what is this it's so it's, so it's on the beach yeah it's so, it's so weird <laughs> under a waterfall so weird uh I, I, they feel like videos i'll be playing in the background at like a, a club yeah uh, like a like an arab club mm-hmm. like come on buddy look <laughs> we got the kalupi videos you want the hookah um charlie kaufman on netflix mm-hmm. his new movie it's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Okay. All right. And it's going to star Jesse Buckley, Jesse Plemons, Tony Collette, and David Thewlis. Premieres on Netflix in September. It's an adaptation of an Ian Reid novel of the same name. But it's Charlie Kaufman, so expect it to be very different from the novel. No. And uh, here we go. It comes out September 4th. And the film is about a road trip. Oh, here we go. Here's a description on a road trip to meet his parents on their secluded farm jake's girlfriend is thinking of ending things when jake makes an unexpected detour leaving her stranded a twisted mix of palpable tension psychological frailty and sheer terror ensues uh obviously charlie kaufman not really known for sheer terror yeah, maybe he's more of the existential dread. I'm sad type of guy. Well, maybe he maybe it'll be existential sheer t- sheer terror. I'm into it. If that's what he's doing. Uh, I mean, Anomalisa, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. You ever see Human Nature? He wrote that one. That that one's directed by Michelle Gondry. Um, Synecdoche, Synecdoche, New York. That one's hard to say. Synecdoche, New York. You say it. Synecdoche, New York. Damn it. Um. 
they're all very you know yeah. d- dramatic, heavy, thematically intense movies. Uh, he wrote Being John Malkovich. He wrote Adaptation. Did he direct Adaptation? No, that's a Spike Jones movie. Um, he is fascinating as a, as a creator, as an artist. So we'll see what he does here. With yeah, I mean, it, it, who knows? I mean, it could be uh, crazy. It could be crazy. It could be amazing. It could be brilliant. Or it could be boring as fuck. Or it could be boring as fuck. And like, Charlie, no wonder you're stuck on Netflix now, Charlie. Uh, we're going through. Let me see. That that was story number for people keeping track at home. That's story number sixteen. And we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No, that's not true. No, that's no, not true. no, we don't. I'm not true at all. <laughs> we're, we're down to our final few, Drew. Um, this one's real quick. Doctor Sleep director Mike Flanagan, uh, when he showed his cut of the movie to Stephen King when he was finally ready to show it to him, he revealed that Stephen King only asked him to change or alter. One thing in the entire movie, and that one thing is, I don't know, sort of spoiler for people. You should have seen this movie right now. Watch it right now, people. There's uh, the child murder. Mm-hmm. It's like about midway through it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bloody murder. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen King leaned over to him during that, and he was like, I'm enjoying this, but don't you think it's a bit much? Maybe you should pull back on the violence a little bit. Maybe you should read some of your own books, Stephen. Yeah, but even reading it and then seeing it are different things. Uh, and his Stephen King what he told him was actually pretty interesting he says um, he leaned over and said that's a little brutal isn't it and I was like shit I gotta go back I gotta edit this uh, and really they just cut out a couple of like quick stabbings okay uh, they, they, they they cut out a couple of uh, reaction shots but basically Stephen King was like where is it here we go that one's gonna hurt. You need that. You're right. But I would have a hard time showing this to my wife. So you should think about pulling it back. And he was right. So basically he's saying something like that's the difference between this movie being a commercial hit and then just being for like hardcore people who can sit through some brutal stuff. And it really is only just one scene. It's not even that long of a scene. So you just do it. Make the edits. Make people happy. I mean, if that's what you want to do, I mean, it's your choice. If you want to make, if you want to make some monies, if you want to make some of those monies, um, did I? Ray Fisher. Oh yeah. So after um, this is bringing it back around to the Ray Fisher story because this came up a few days later, uh, but people are throwing out their ideas for a cyborg movie for directors, and someone threw out this guy J D Dillard, who then. Uh, responded to the tweet with a Hunger Games gif of uh, Jennifer Lawrence saying, I volunteer. Uh, so he's all for doing a cyborg movie. J.D. Dillard is a guy who did you know, two movies. Uh, you ever see Slight? Yes. The one, the one about the kid who mm-hmm. puts the shit in his arm. He did that, and he did that Sweetheart movie that was a Netflix movie earlier this year. Both of those movies are like good little movies that would be great if someone just gave this guy a budget. No. You know, give this guy some resources because he's doing a lot with very little. Uh, a cyborg movie would have to cost minimum like $175 million. Yeah, it's CG. He's a CG guy. Um, but that's that's what I want. I want to see this dude with his imagination be given a budget. And mm-hmm. it would be cool. It'd be, and also, he's a, a black director. It's a black character. That kind of stuff makes sense, too. Um, but we'll see if anything happens. Ray Fisher making a lot of noise. Usually when you make noise, uh, they tend to shove you away. But in this climate, this day and age, who knows? Maybe, maybe it, it, Warner Brothers could see that's politically advantageous to them to embrace uh, uh, such a 
such a personality at this time. Transformers. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier RoboCop Terminator. Mm-hmm. How do we keep this going? How do we revive it? How do we keep it relevant? Transformers Back to the Future. Yes. Gigawatt. As, as a comic book, you got Gigawatt, the uh, new... I guess he's an Autobot. Yeah, he's an Autobot. Yeah. Uh, I love the cartoon drawing of him. Mm-hmm. I, I like that it's 80s. It's a, it's the comic book Transformers, so yeah. it's the 80s style. Have you seen the toy? Uh, no, I have not seen the toy. That's cool that there is one. I heard about it. Bec- I heard it. I heard about the toy before I heard about the other part. Ah, no, this is just about the um, the comic, which is gonna be coming out. Yeah. Um, but it also this article also points out that we have the Bumblebee follow up movie that they're working on. Okay. There's a Beast Wars spin off movie that they're working on, um, and an animated. Cybertron Origins movie is being worked on as well. Cool. It's all sorts of Transformers shit happening. Meanwhile, next Transformers movie is slated to drop June 24, 2022. Don't care. Whatever that's even going to be. Transformers slash Back to the Future number one arrives October 1st. Um, okay, yeah, let's wrap this thing up here with... Uh, um, Sam Raimi is doing Doctor Strange 2 and we got confirmation that Chiwetel EG4 is for sure coming back for Doctor Strange 2 to play Baron Mordo Baron Mordo Mordo uh, he was teased at the very end of the last one he's gonna be the bad guy yeah. so we're still going that route and he's talking about how he's very excited to be getting to work with Sam Raimi everyone's all uh, super happy about that and uh, speaking of David Ayer Apparently, while he confirmed last week, there is no such thing as like 30 minutes of missing the air footage. He did say that there is an air cut that fans can petition for if they want to see it. So we'll see if that nonsense ever happens. I hope not. Yeah, it's like, you know. I don't care about these fucking fan cuts. Yeah, who gives a shit? The Snyder cut is interesting just because 70% of that movie was reshot. Yeah. It's a whole, it's going to be a different, different movie. movie. Completely, yeah. yeah. That's it's that, probably still going to be bad. That is interesting. Yeah. And, and like stuff with like Kingdom of Heaven. An entire hour-long subplot was cut out of that movie. Stuff like that. It's much I, more interesting. I, I can, yes. It yeah. makes it, when it make when it makes the movie a totally different movie, yeah. I think it's worth watching. If you're just adding extended scenes and some fucking other garbage, yeah. uh, there's no point. And then 10 minutes of subplot that doesn't matter yeah. at the end. Yeah. Then, then it's there's no the point. Same. I know that the original plan for Suicide Squad was to have Joker teaming up with Enchantress at the end. They're supposed to be together. Yeah. Did that even get shot? Did he get cut out of it that way? I have no idea. He does just disappear in that movie. Which is fine. He wasn't a very good Joker anyway. He was not a good Joker. wasn't a good Patrol. just wasn't a good movie. So that's the end of the episode. Cool. <laughs> We're done. Awesome. That's 391. Thank you, Drew Chicago. You are welcome, Chris. You are welcome, listeners. And we'll be back with 392 next week. And our Patreon episode this week, which is uh, one of our top fives. We did a poll a while ago. So we're doing top five. Top five of what? Well, you'll find, find out. out on your own. A PFT Media Production.